Welcome to Season 2 of the NFADB's podcast. NFADB is a nonprofit organization established by families and for families. You can get more information about NFADB at nfadb.org. Also, make sure you subscribe and rate us in iTunes. Patty McGowan has been part of the NFADB board since 2012. She currently serves as the newly elected NFADB president. Patty lives outside Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania with her family, where she works as a family consultant with the Pennsylvania Deafblind Initiative. In this season two premiere podcast, she shares her journey with her now adult son, Hunter. I hope you enjoy this conversation between Jacqueline Izagari and Patty McGowan. Thank you, Patty McGowan, for taking time out of the DeafBlind International Conference to sit down and have a conversation. Well, thank you, Jacqueline. It's great to be here. And you wear many hats. <laughs> Can you tell our listeners about each of your hats? Sure. Um, so I am one of the two family consultants um, on my state DeafBlind Project, the Pennsylvania DeafBlind Project. Um, I've been working as a family consultant for Pennsylvania since 2005. Um, I also currently sit on the board of the National Family Association for DeafBlind, NFADB. Um, I've been a member probably since the early 2000s, came on the board in 2009 and currently hold the position of secretary. Um, Out of that, uh, speaking of the state of Pennsylvania, we do have an affiliate to the National Family Association for DeafBlind, and that is our Pennsylvania Partnership on DeafBlind, PPDB. Um, I have held the position of vice president, but now I currently just sit as a board member But Jacqueline, first and foremost, um, I am a parent, and I'm a parent to a young adult um, who uh, lives with deaf blindness due to the etiology of Usher syndrome type two. He's 22 now. Um, We're on a new journey um, into this adult um, system and no more of the entitlement, but more of the eligibility. Um, So a brand new journey. Tell us, where is your son now? Well, our son Hunter um, is just about to finish up his junior year. Um, He is one of, I'm sorry, he's um, at our state, uh, one of our state universities, Edinburgh University, uh, which is up north of our state in Edinburgh, PA. We know it as a snow belt. Um, he is almost done with his uh, junior year. His undergrad is in social work. Um, he's looking to apply for his uh, master's uh, in the fall of his senior year, so um, not too far away. And. Um, He'll be applying for his uh, master's program and he's looking to do vocational rehabilitation counseling. He's, uh, he's doing well. Um, 
He uh, transferred to Edinburgh um, after having um, two years at our local uh, community college, um, which actually that had been done during um, two years post his graduation, um, but he still remained under the district um, because he had a goal that he would like to be a full-time student um, at a college or university. Um, so, uh, like with any um, student or child, uh, especially living with deafblindness, um, there's a lot of planning that takes place. And um, we have certainly planned um, a great transition. And uh, he had an opportunity to have some um, job exploration um, post uh, his what we call his fifth senior year in high school and uh, but the goal was by um, the second year out that he would still receive some instruction and and uh, as far as his braille orientation mobility deaf hard of hearing uh, but the goal was to see if he could handle um, four college classes which equaled or equivalent to 12 credits which we knew would be a full-time college student and that was the goal and we took it slow um, over the two years but once we knew that he could master that um, he was ready to do the transfer to the university that he's now attending so patty did he does he have support there or is he very independent um hunter is uh very independent. Um, he is teamed with the guide dog, Atlas, and um, so they certainly are together as a team, um, and that helps greatly with his independence um, around the university and in the community, uh, the little college town that um, he is with um, up in Edinburgh. Um, but really, um, of course, as he um, transitioned out of high school and we know the supports look very different especially with education and especially with post-secondary education um, Hunter had to have a lot of self-determination a lot of self-advocacy um, I couldn't really do it for him anymore and um, he had to really take all of that self-determination I'm sorry, self-determination and advocacy, and then work with, at his school, it is called the OSD office, the Office for Student with Disabilities, and sit down and discuss um, accommodations that fall under ADA and that the school um, approves. And uh, it's kind of interesting because um, when Hunter was young and we would uh, meet yearly for his annual IEP and we would talk about short-term goals and long-term goals, I thought to myself, I need to make a goal for myself. And so I thought, well, while he's young, I will um, advocate for him. And as he begins to mature and, and gets a little bit older, I will advocate beside him. And as he is older and a young adult into his adult life, I will advocate behind him. I love that. I needed a goal. I needed a goal for myself. Um, as so you tra transitioned right along with Hunter. 
never thought of it that way, but absolutely. And um, just like transitions for um, Hunter and, and for all of us, I think, that have children and or students with deaf blindness, um, transition, it's always changing. And a lot of us think about transition as that big post-secondary transition. Um, but I was very fortunate because um, my, uh, well, I shouldn't say my, um, my son's Helen Keller National Center rep once said to me as a parent, he will have many transitions, whether it's from elementary to middle school, middle school to high school. Um, Hunter actually had a huge transition from an approved private school. It was an oral school for the deaf. Um, as he transitioned back into his high school. And she said, treat every one of them as a rehearsal. It's practice. And take notes and take good documentation. Uh, know what helped and what didn't help and what you may want to improve. And I uh, took her for her word. And uh, the practice was great because there's a lot of planning and a lot of transitioning. So, um, yeah, you know, and I, lessons learned the whole way. And so I transitioned with those changes right along with him. Yeah, and it sounds like he probably came by this self-determination very honestly. He did, you know, again, there were times when I think back and, um, you know, people have often commented about his own advocacy and self-determination. It's funny because I can remember times being in the grocery store, say for example, and maybe another child was behind him in the line and I could tell um, very innocently maybe that child was staring at his hearing aids and you know kind of wondering and so probably in my own self-preservation, I would say out loud to Hunter in line, oh, I think he's looking at your hearing aids and I think he's interested. Why don't you take them out and, and tell him what they are and why you need them? And so I think early on it was, uh, we made it okay. And we encouraged him to talk about it and make it okay. And um, I also think as he was growing and, and uh, started with orientation and mobility and began his cane use, and I can remember uh, we um, have a large amusement park called Kennywood Park. And if anyone ever knows anything about Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, I'm sure they've heard of Kennywood. And the first time that um, Hunter went with his cane, and at the end of the day, and we're all tired, and we had such a good time, we didn't get in the car, and he says, I had no idea this was such a magic stick. So to him, he was using it. Uh, you know, people are typically very polite, um, and he knew that it was just giving him uh, the mobility and orientation that he needed. And so from there, you know, even though we would, of course, always refer to his white cane, you know, I would say, get that magic stick. That's <laughs> going to help you today. 
so we you know we kind of played on that or you know and it was interesting I think there were times where um, perhaps maybe when he was wearing his hearing aids and um, he was a he is a chronic hearing aid uh, wearer or user and sometimes his ears would get really sore and I would know you know when he would take them out or just need to de-plug but I would say to him now I know what you're doing because I know you this isn't every day but if you had to explain to someone a teacher uh, maybe someone at our church or in the community or in your Boy Scout troop how would you do it and uh, so you know little things we just took some natural environments and kind of exaggerated them and I think that was helpful and at first it felt awkward um, kind of like when you first find out that um, your child may have blindness or visual impairment and you begin to cue um, watch the curb watch the door um, and it at some point it just becomes a natural part of your life I love this story so far a magic stick <laughs> Wow. <laughs> The parting of the seas. <laughs> so, I don't even think you're going to even say that you have encountered obstacles, but if you did, what did you call those? Well, very early, I knew that my son was smart, like we all do with all right. of our children, but I also knew he was going to learn very differently very differently than me, very differently than his older siblings. He has an older sister and an older brother. And I had no idea how to go about that. And I would, as a young parent, go to lots of trainings or forums or get involved in these family organizations and network. And as soon as a presenter would say, like they always do at the end of their presentation, if you have any questions, here is my email. <laughs> well, I took that very seriously. <laughs> and I thought that was an open invitation. And you know, in our network with deaf blindness, there's a lot of caring, helping, passionate people, and they're approachable. And they're approachable from parents and of course I never I always would try to make sure if when you have the time um, when you have a minute you know I'm looking for a specific resource um, but most of the time uh, they wanted to help and so I found it very fortunate um, that I could reach out in that regard um, I also knew very early that teaming was going to be important. Uh, you know, that cliche, it takes a village. Right. Well, it takes a village. And um, I think also um, early on, you know, I could find so many resources about the deafness or hard of hearing. And I could find many resources about blind or visual impairment. Um, but but I, it was very hard in the beginning to find about deaf blindness. And it wasn't until um, you know I started tapping in uh, with our state deaf blind project 
and our National Center on Deaf Blindness and um, the wonderful organizations. Um, I, you know, would get connected with the Usher Syndrome Coalition and um, as Hunter got older, um, Helen Keller National Center. I did my homework. Um, it was work. And so I knew I had some expertise to bring to the team, but I also knew I was not a professional. And so um, I had to build some really strong relationships, and so did my son. And he and I would talk, or as a family, and if you're gonna expect team members to work for you, for your success, um, you better be ready to work hard too. And I think that was probably the biggest hurdle because Hunter wanted it as badly as anyone. He wanted to succeed. He wanted to learn. He has a thirst for learning. And uh, so it was very important very early on for us to work together as a team um, to leave any egos outside the door and come together with our expertise and uh, bounce ideas off one another. And, um, you know, I mean, there might have been a couple times that were frustrating, but when you have that trusting relationship and you've built relationships and that mutual respect, um, it was nice because I felt that I was also respected as a team player, as a parent, and my son was a part of that team. Um, you know, I can remember when I talk about going to the trainings and when um, Hunter was really young, I had heard at some training, always bring a picture. Make your child real at those meetings. And so I did that. And then when he was a little bit older, during his IEP, and I mean, first, second grade, I would say, you're going to come down, you're, there's going to be a room full of people, and I just want you to say hello and, and your name. And that might have been the first grade year. And then in second grade, we'd say, tell them what you like to do, or if you're in your Cub Scouts, or maybe singing in the choir at church, just a couple of things you would do. And so, slowly, and of course, none of this happened overnight. But we just would build layer after layer and you know I said to him someday Hunter you need to run these meetings these are your meetings this is what's gonna help you and we're gonna sometimes talk about your weaknesses but that's not a bad thing because you've got so many strengths that if you do have a weakness we're gonna first look at your strengths to see how you can overcome that. And if there's not something that's gonna really help, then we're gonna find the support and all the team members, whether it's your teachers or your um, service providers or an outside agency, together we're gonna figure out exactly what support you need. So there will not be a weakness there. So it was a huge collaborative team work and planning. We planned. And another great thing that we did, which was so helpful, was 
we met quarterly as a team outside of the annual IEP. And so we would come to the table with an agenda. Um, I had um, someone from our DeafBlind project come. We took notes and we had a topic. So sometimes it might be about his assistive technology um, and, and use or if there needed to be some training uh, for him, <clears throat> excuse me, or the other teachers um, or support staff. Sometimes it would be about transition. Um, so any topic that needed to be um, discussed um, or something that we needed to work on or figure out, we came together as a team. So you gave like just kind of a roadmap to parents, but if you could kind of provide advice to <laughs> maybe that young parent, because I've heard very, you've talked about building relationships, how how important that was. But is is there one thing, Patty, that you could point to to say maybe that was the turning point? So if you were going to talk to that young parent just starting this journey, similar to yours, what would that thing be? I think the first thing I would ever tell another parent is trust your gut. You know your child the best. You are going to be the most consistent team player with your child. There's going to be lots of teachers that change typically. Um, service providers are going to change. Principals are going to change. But you are always going to be there. And so you need to know you are the most important person on your son or daughter's team. And you um, need to be respected and you have knowledge and skills and you're going to continue to learn. And again, it is not something that happens overnight and it's a lot of work and there are going to be times where you need to just check out and you might want to come back to it. You know, sometimes we get inundated by so many resources, so many websites. Sometimes it can be too much. And, you know, don't forget this entire time, this is your child, and so you want to laugh, and you want to have fun. And, you know, I often thought, oh my gosh, if it, we started telling kind of probably what maybe other people might feel being inappropriate comments or jokes about, you know, the deaf blindness piece, um, especially when there was, you know, one of my other children would probably drop a book bag and Hunter wouldn't see it with his, you know, limited vision and he'd go flying and, you know, and we chose to laugh. And um, we just chose to find the blessings and you know it's interesting Jacqueline because today as I was so amazed and so grateful to be at this DeafBlind International I thought yet yeah, what again I again a blessing I would not have been here if it hadn't been for Hunter and this incredible journey 
and meeting so many people willing to help along the way. Oh, I love that too. I look at my child the same way. Yeah. What a blessing. It is. And what a what a gift. Yes. Right? So why me? Yeah. Right? Yes. But it's the opposite. Why me? Exactly. Why was I so lucky? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yes, I have learned more from my son. I've learned what's important. I've learned that um, life is not fair. And that's okay because life can still be good. Very true. Very true. I love your outlook, Patty. You have so much to teach other parents. But if you could give advice maybe to professionals that work with children like Hunter. I think with professionals, um, I would want them to know first, more than advice, um, to please listen to us as parents. Um, we, we need help. Um, you know, this wasn't our choice of a study. Um, we were given. And so we are looking for help. We're looking for support. We're looking for guidance. And we want to work together. But as much as we need to hear that from the professionals, um, we need to feel like we're being heard as well. Because we see a lot of things at home or in the community that we want to share. I know with me, um, it was so important for the consistency. Um, Whatever they were doing at school, I wanted to continue at home. And any best practices that we were doing at home, I also wanted them. Because the consistency is important. You know, there is a huge continuum in our deafblind community. Um, and not one of us are alike. Uh, we know it's a very low incidence. We know it's very unique. It's kind of the rare of the rarest. And yet the strategies are all very good. And you just have to think outside the box a little bit. A uh, little creative thinking. I love creativity. So what is going to work? But the foundational strategies are basically the same. I often like think about, especially in our deafblind world, when we, we calendar systems, they are so great for so many students. But think about how you and I use a calendar. Right. Everybody has a calendar. That's true. You know, some have little pocket calendars, some prefer on their phones, some on their iPads, Hunter prefers that. Some of our students with deaf blindness use calendar boxes. Regardless, that strategy works for all of us. And so some of these things to me are no-brainers. It's like, it does. it's not difficult um, to think what 
might work or might not. Right. I used to think, you know what, the ideal professional, you know, whether that was a vision teacher, you know, a teacher of the deaf or hard of hearing, you know, whoever was working with my child, all I really wanted them to do was be willing to try it. Right. Try this. If that doesn't work, then try this. Because we don't know exactly, you know, the best way that our child is going to learn. But we need that professional because they're not, you know, they're not the little square peg fitting into the round uh -huh. hole. We need you to try it a different way, right? Exactly. And, you know, it was interesting, too, with Hunter because the one thing is that um, Hunter nor our family have ever used um, the disability as a get-out-of-jail card. It is what it is, and uh, that's just the way the life for life. However, the one thing that I would often tell his uh, educators or on his educational team was, this is a fact and not an excuse. It will take Hunter twice as long to do half the work. And right about the time you're ready to give up, he's going to get it. But it will take longer. He will work until he gets it. So are you willing to let him do that? Yeah, don't give up on him if he's not giving up. Exactly. Yes. And so... Um, I would probably tell professionals that would be my closest thing to advice. <laughs> okay, well, I think it's sound advice. So, I'm going to ask you this question too, Patty. If you could go back and talk to the younger you, what would you say? Well, that's interesting because I made a pact with myself, Jacqueline, a long time ago that I would never look back. Um, I did the best I could with what knowledge I had at that point. And you can waste a lot of time thinking, oh, if I had only done this, if I knew this, if I could go back. So I made myself a promise because that would really stress me out as a parent. And I just go forward. I continue every day to try to learn. Um, like I said, right off the bat, um, I'm in a whole new um, journey. We have crossed that line. Hunter turned 22 in December and um, I'm learning this whole new adult system. And, um, you know, again, I'm still working, still trying to understand. And luckily, I've had that practice. I know what it takes. I know there are days that I have to really dig in there and find some good resources or talk to some other parents. Um, you know, what are the steps that you used and, and where do you start? You know, I always say it's like writing a term paper. You know, the hardest part is the intro and the conclusion. But the middle part we can get, right? So it's just where, just 
give me those first three steps and then I'll be good to go or give me that first website. So I think it's just incredible, incredibly important um, to just keep moving forward. You know, if you sit and say, oh, if I knew, but that's just it. You didn't know. If I could have done this, how could I have done that if I didn't know? You don't know what you don't know. So I need to take that energy. I'm getting older. <laughs> and so I need to put it moving forward, never looking back. That's wonderful. Patty, do you have any last thoughts you'd like to share? I just have to honestly say, Jacqueline, this has been a journey I would not have traded for the world. We've had some really um, good times. Sure, there's been some frustrating times. Um, there's been some hard times. There's been, um, you know, a few tears here and there. But we have chosen to laugh. We have chosen to um, find the blessings. And it has just been a journey that I continue to look forward to. Um, I hope I can help other parents and family members by sharing our experience. It may not be exactly, but if it gives you maybe one idea that you might want to look into, I hope so. I had a lot of help on the way, so I would love to help others. Thank you so much. Thank you, Patty McGowan. And cheers. Salute. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful.